What's happening, everybody? On today's show, one of our favorite segments, every couple weeks we catch up with our buddy John Garcia, Jr., our college football recruiting analyst and insider. We'll talk all things SEC recruiting with him. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And shout out to our everydayers, those of you who uh, check us out every day. Uh, let us know. Hashtag everydayers on Twitter and let us know you are checking us out. Uh, without further ado, let's jump into it. One of our favorite segments Every couple weeks, checking in with our guy, John Garcia, Jr., our college football recruiting analyst and insider. John, welcome in, man. Good to be back on with you, Chris. Uh, never a dull moment, my friend. Yeah, it, it really isn't. And and before we get into, you know, what some of the recruits, um, you know, that have signed, we just wrapped up spring ball. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what we saw coming out. And I wanted to start here with Alabama. First and foremost, were you surprised Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow Two very talented quarterbacks, and neither of them kind of grabbed the starting Bama job. And two, Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner. I mean, he, he's uh, visiting Alabama. There's a chance he could go there and, and reunite with Tommy Reese. But I see a lot of people just looking at his stats going, oh, man, this guy stinks. But this is a very highly uh, touted four-star quarterback, very talented kid. Um, just kind of where are you on the Alabama quarterback spot with all these kids that you've covered coming out in the recruiting world? Yeah, I'm surprised neither quarterback made his run. Um, we heard even last year that both guys were, were going to have an opportunity, almost a 50-50 battle, you know, to, to replace Bryce Young. But but on the other side of it, if nobody does seize that job, and this is something that Sam has talked about with every QB battle he's ever had. I remember hearing him repeat that phrase back in the Hurts and the Tua days. If somebody doesn't go out and take it, he has no issue bringing in more competition. And I think you talk about lighting a fire. How about a guy who is a dual threat, just like these two in Tyler Buckner, but who also has the continuity with Tommy Reese. And I think that is where you're going to see one of these guys, I think, look over the shoulder and have to make a decision with this portal window winding down here over the next few days. So not, not atypical of Nick Saban, uh, but I am surprised that from a skill set standpoint, Ty Simpson being a coach's son, Jalen Milrow being just one of the freaky athletes at the position nationally, that one of the two didn't just embrace that that whole thing and, and kind of run away with this gig. So uh, now it'll be fascinating to see how long this battle well, with whoever is, is there in the end will continue. Because again, going back to Saban's history, we've seen him take it all the way into the season at different points in his tenure. So I, I do think this is going to be uh, maybe the premier storyline of the SEC because I'm sure every preseason poll is going to have Alabama in the top couple of schools nationally, even though the most important position on the field is certainly far from settled. And, and to Buckner's point, yeah, this was a kid, his junior year put up like 80 total touchdowns in California as a true dual threat towards ACL after that and, and kind of dealt with a bunch of injuries at, at Notre Dame uh, in a very different style of offense so I do think the refresh 
for him of changing scenery as they brought in a portal quarterback and, and obviously the continuity with Tommy Reese with maybe some more freedom to operate a little bit more close to Buckner's true skill set because all three of those guys are dual threats. I do think that's something that could be a, a sneaky good um, collaboration here going forward. And I think if he makes the move, which all indication is that Buckner's leaning towards Alabama, if he makes that move, I think he's got to become the de facto favorite for the gig, wouldn't you? Yeah, and certainly the comfortable, comfortable, you know, you know, what I'm trying to say comfort with uh, Tommy Reese there uh, as the OC and and having familiarity there. But um, it, it will be interesting. Look, Alabama fans have been spoiled from Tua to Mac Jones to Bryce Young. They've had stud quarterback after stud quarterback. The last one being the first Heisman Trophy winner in school history. So this might be a little bit of a step back. But look, if Bama's got a dominant defense, dominant run game, maybe they only yeah. need good to great quarterback play. Yeah. One national title with Jake Coker. Greg McElroy, AJ McCarron. So yeah, I think if if you if you quote unquote settle for a non Heisman quarterback, you're still you still have everything in front of you. Uh, a quick thought, John, on Georgia. Any idea what happened with Bear Alexander? Because he was just a, a guy that looked so promising last year as a freshman. We saw him in the championship game. Obviously, the biggest stage had a couple sacks. Um, he heads out west to go transfer to USC. Uh, any idea what happened there? Yeah, I mean, I think depending on who you talk to, you'll probably get a different uh, side of the coin. I think from from a, a journalistic standpoint, taking a step back, you look at Bears history, uh, transferred three or four times in high school, um, was very back and forth in the recruiting process as well before settling on, on UGA. So a change of scenery is, is not atypical for him, even when things are theoretically really good. And then from Georgia's standpoint, yeah, you talk to folks in and around that program and they say that everything wasn't so smooth, even though Bear looked like this true breakout, um, you know, second year star type of player going into 2023. So it's probably a combination of two, like like most situations. But I do think that um, if any program is equipped to figure it out, even if even if they lose a top 10 draft pick and the, the guy who looked like he was next in line, it's going to be UGA. So I think this could be one, Chris, that it kind of works out for everybody. Uh, one more before we get into uh, some of the commits recently. Uh, Ole Miss, their uh, 2023 signee, DJ Holmes, I saw was arrested a few nights ago. This is a kid who uh, I was shocked when I saw he was one of the nation's leaders in sacks in high school ball last year. I think he had like 32 and a half sacks. Uh, the arrest sounded pretty benign. He was arrested for not pulling over immediately when police put on their sirens, according to reports. They were responding to reports of street racing. So, again, I'm not trying to disparage the kid at all. Sounds like he's still going to go to Ole Miss. But um, it, does it sound like, at least on your end, this going to have any effect on his enrollment at Ole Miss, or is he still expected to come in this summer and, and compete? Yeah, I think, look, first of all, this was a huge late riser in, in the recruiting cycle of, of 2023. You mentioned the production. You can't deny it. 30-plus sacks as a senior, around 20 as a junior. Uh, so this is a kid who at Pahokee High School was really the guy, so much so that he got to unretire Anquan Bolden's number six at Pahokee, which is a really big deal. So he got permission there. I think he's related to, to Anquan as well. Um, so, yeah, this was a great late grab for – Ole Miss, uh, and, and I agree with you, Chris. It, it seems like uh, the arrest is uh, – the headline looks worse than anything else you dig into there. So I would imagine uh, that Ole Miss, uh, you know, does their due diligence and allows the process to play out. But ultimately, yeah, I do expect him in Oxford for good uh, once he's he's gotten through that part of, of the process. So not a huge deal, but obviously something that – especially in today's 
uh, day and age that you've got to keep an eye on to make sure that there's not extra layers to maybe one or two bad decisions um, on a single night. Yeah, and just a message to kids across the SEC after the tragedy of Georgia. Just street racing. Yeah. Come on, just stay away from it. Don't do it. Uh, he is John Garcia, Jr. We'll uh, pick up more with him in just a second as we will go around the conference and hit on uh, more topics on, on commits that have all come in in the SEC recently. But first, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Look, we've been telling you, grand slams, no hitters, double plays, they're all back. There's no better place to bet on MLB action right now than FanDuel. They are America's number one sports book. That's because new customers can step up to the plate with that no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Place your first bet. Get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Uh, Don't miss your chance to get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the link right below. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Go sign up there. FanDuel, they are the official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, continue our conversation with our buddy John Garcia Jr. talking all things recruiting. John, we've had a lot of action pick up, obviously, with the spring ball, the spring games. There are a lot of visitors on campuses, and a lot of these coaches, it's like, hey, you're not leaving my campus until you give me a commitment (laughs) with some of these kids. So let's start with Arkansas. They had a red-hot week this past week in recruiting. They pick up uh, three-star athlete Tevis Metcalf, cousin of DK Metcalf. They also get four-star corner Jaden Allen out of Texas, in-state prospects, and wide receiver Courtney Crutchfield and D lineman Charleston Collins. Uh, what do you make make of the work that Sam Pittman's been doing recently? Like you said, when when you take certain visits, uh, things change in recruiting. We've seen kids go to Arkansas the first time and kind of say, "Oh, like it's almost like they didn't expect it to be as as big and spectacle like and then thorough under Sam Pittman as it is." And then particularly on defense. I mean, you start to look at the coaches there. T. Will is there now, formerly of, of Auburn and UCF. Uh, Marcus Woodson is one of the best uh, cornerback and DB coaches and recruiters simultaneously. He's there on that step as well as the co-defensive coordinator. So no surprise to see not only defensive players uh, jumping on board, but Alabama natives. I think they've got multiple commits from the state of Alabama, uh, more more than any other state uh, currently among the the uh, Razorback verbal commits in, in 2024. And Metcalf's fascinating. You mentioned DK's cousin. Well, his older brother, Tevin, signed with Arkansas last year. And it was a bit of a surprise because, you know, they, they, I think both kids were born in Oxford. You, you mentioned the family there. Ole Miss was in on each of them. So, again, I think you, you see the prowess of Woodson as a positional recruiter. And then I think T. Will and his history in the state of Alabama really paying off uh, with some defensive gets uh, in his in his old state. Uh, and then Jaden Allen out of Alito, I think individually, uh, just a burner, uh, one of the twitchiest DBs in, in the entire class. I mean, to be a blue chipper at 5'10", 160 or whatever Jaden is, you've got to have a lot of juice behind it. And, and I think you're, you're seeing Arkansas take more chances as Pittman's tenure grows in terms of the guys who aren't the biggest freakiest like he always had at Georgia and at other stops he used to rely on size I think he's expanding some of that that mindset from a recruiting standpoint and he's just bringing in playmakers regardless of position and and regardless of geography which is really smart for Arkansas who who has to recruit the entire SEC footprint consistently to compete especially in the west of course 
Yeah, no, no doubt, and and that's what uh, you know Sam Pittman was so heralded with when he took the job was that he was known as such a good recruiter. Uh, how about down the road in the West at LSU? Brian Kelly, they just had their spring game a, a week ago. LSU adds another DB in Deshaun McBride. He's a four-star prospect from Louisiana. I know the goal is always to keep the in-state talent in-state. They also picked up a commit recently uh, from four-star tight end Tradez Green. Uh, they already have linebacker Collage Cobbins in. So LSU already with three of the top five kids in Louisiana committed. Uh, what do you like about some of these kids? Well, look, production, production. We, we talk about measurables and size and all that, and it's great. And look, Green is 6'6", 240. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of size to go around with these kids, but the production is kind of wild. Green is a 20-catch uh, 20 yards per catch uh, player from 2022 as a tight end, just not something that that we typically see. Uh, and then the DB who committed in state nine picks last year. I mean, he's a safety and he's big and physical, but nine picks tells you a whole lot uh, about his full you know balance in his game as well. So I think the combination of obviously keeping Louisiana's home is is always important, but you're grabbing the best uh, within that group, and they're actually starting to trend. For Jawan Johnson, who's another great blue chipper uh, in Louisiana who just decommitted from from prime in Colorado uh, after visiting in the snow. Maybe it was a little too much for him. And now LSU looks like they're going to battle Florida for his commitment. So with the season LSU had and, and sort of the big question marks with Brian Kelly now behind them, especially recruiting close to home, I think LSU is going to be in position to bring in top five type classes every single cycle because there's really no thought that the on-field product is going to take a step back. They return a ton of production, both coordinators, obviously Daniels at, at QB and, and Perkins on defense for two more years. So you understand, I guess, the buy-in and the trust, the benefit of the doubt that the in-state kids are, are once again showing towards LSU. And, and by the way, Green, the tight end, who's I think the highest rated commit uh, according to at least one outlet, Tight end's going to be a position where you got to just think of LSU more anyway, right? We know about Kelly's history at Notre Dame. And then last year, Mason Taylor, as a true freshman, sort of broke out. He, he was not uh, this, this five-star player, even though he's Jason Taylor's kid, coming out of high school. Uh, but as a true freshman, really showed that versatility, and and they relied on him in, in big moments, including, of course, the game winner against Alabama. So the tight end ceiling, I guess, at LSU is going to be – higher whether it's a louisiana kid or not and that's something we should probably expect going forward yeah we just had michael mayer from notre dame drafted in this draft uh cole Komet. i mean just notre dame tight ends all throughout the years that are in the nfl and you know brian kelly's bringing that pedigree to uh to baton rouge um how about over at south carolina man as uh, shane beamer has has been picking up steam they picked up an, another a three-star ot in mike williams i know that old line spot is one that south carolina has been very focused on but this is on the heels they pick up a four-star OT in Josiah Thompson, a four-star safety in Kelvin Hunter, four-star corner in Braden Lee. The Gamecocks are up to seventh, the seventh-best class in the composite rankings. Man, Shane Beamer and crew, they're just crushing it right now. Yeah, if, if the Arkansas visits are changing kids' minds, the South Carolina visits are, are flipping them all together because they're doing a great job of getting elite recruits on campus, both close to home and, and they're out recruiting Clemson in the state of South Carolina dramatically in this cycle, which is a big deal in and of itself, but also further away from not only Columbia, but that entire footprint. There's something in the water in D.C. Uh, they got Nicholas Harbor last cycle, a couple guys from DeMatha, and now Lee comes in from the D.C. area. Mike Williams, who you mentioned, another DMV area kid. 
South Carolina is doing very well in the entire Atlantic footprint under Shane Beamer and company. So, yeah, there's there's no doubt that recruiting has upticked and, and won't be an issue there in Columbia. They're getting kids on campus very early and prioritizing them sometimes before these kids' local programs begin to do so. And that is starting to, to pay off with big-time verbal commitments uh, both close to home and beyond. It's crazy to think how two wins can just catapult you in, in yes. the eyes of prospects, but those wins over Tennessee and Clemson went a long way with some of these elite prospects for South Carolina, and you're seeing that at work now. Uh, I wanted to ask you real quick about Alabama. We know they're, you know, we've seen Alabama do this before, a little slow out of the gates, six commitments for 2024, but they recently added two really elite talents in four-star linebacker Caden Jones and four-star wide receiver Rico Scott. Uh, what do you like about either of those guys? Yeah, speaking of the Atlantic footprint, one from Carolina, one from from up in Pennsylvania. Um, both players are really electric. Rico is, is a do-it-all wide receiver, um, kind of like a John Mechie maybe, just where it's not there's not any one trait that you're going to fall in love with, but when you put it all together, you're like, well, that's that's going to be a guy you have to deal with on, on Saturdays. And then the linebacker from North Carolina, um, untapped potential, 6'4", 210, Good in coverage, great in space, can rush the passer, kind of a modern three-down player. Um, and and Joe Cox spearheaded this recruitment uh, in his home state. You know, one of the best high school quarterbacks of my childhood, recruiting his home state for Alabama, as, as funky as that sounds. Uh, he's, he's doing really well uh, at it. So going into to the Tar Heel State and, and grabbing a great recruit is something we've seen Bama do in years past. Uh, and obviously that's going to continue here going forward. And, and that was a, a strong eval by Alabama. We don't always talk about that or give them enough credit for that, but this is a guy whose who's best football is very much well ahead and in terms of uh, where what he's going to be down the line uh, there at, at Alabama. So great get for the Crimson Tide. And yeah, six commits now, but I wouldn't worry too much about where they're going to end up in the end. They'll be right up there with Georgia and Ohio State uh, when it matters most, of course. Yeah, whenever you look at the composite and you see Bama in the 20s, it's not going to last. They will be climbing uh, over time, believe me. Uh, we're continuing our conversation with John Garcia Jr., uh, of course, our uh, recruiting insider here. And uh John, it's uh, interesting when I look over at Tennessee. You know, they've added a handful of kids recently, a couple of three-star recruits. But, you know, you get a safety in Edris Farouk, but, man, a lot of trenches with Gage Ginther and Jesse Perry on the O-line, Jeremiah's hurt on the D-line. As we know, in the SEC, you win and lose in the trenches. So it looks like even some of these guys, I mean, in my opinion, look like maybe buy-low prospects, guys that could end up being four-stars when it's all said and done. Yeah, look at the frames of these three stars that they're they're betting on, right? Look, it's it's just the end of April right now, so a lot of this can and will change just from a ranking and, and rating standpoint. But if you're gonna bet on six seven two ninety five, that's herd six six two seventy five, that's Perry in state kid um, six six two ninety, uh, that's Ginther from Colorado. I mean, that's where you want to miss miss on the measurables. That's a phrase that more and more coaches are are buying into uh, so you can really look at it from from two standpoints and, and hey we can we can fix them we can make them what we need at Tennessee uh, especially if, if the raw traits or they are there or worst case scenario you can move them around maybe they can play another position if it doesn't quite work out but the top of the class is really strong I don't want to make it seem like Tennessee is just betting on measurables uh, in recruiting here going forward. But you like to see the Vols get outside of the footprint a little bit more, right? You know, Merklinger, the quarterbacks from Georgia, J.J. Harrell's uh, maybe the best receiver 
in Mississippi. Jonathan Eccles, of course, the headliner, the five-star from IMG Academy, D-end or tight end. So Tennessee's stock is still plenty high in the minds of recruits, even though the end of the season didn't quite go as planned uh, last fall. Over in Gainesville, obviously year one wasn't what Billy Napier was hoping for. He's got some big questions now. You lose Anthony Richardson to the draft. Uh, The whole Jaden Rashada debacle, we know what happened there. But it doesn't seem to be hurting their recruiting. They added a couple more four-stars recently in safety. Xavier, Phil Same, and uh, running back Kanan Daniels. Um, Man, the momentum keeps going for Billy Napier at Florida. They're doing a real good job. Yeah, you want to talk about optics. I mean, Phil Sames, uh, one of the best players overall in the state of Texas. And then Daniels is is running back two or three at worst in Mississippi of, of all places. So going into enemy SEC territory with big recruiting wins is is a really good look for Florida because, you know, close to home, uh, they can fill out their, their class uh, at any given moment. So I, I think this is going to be a national group for Billy Napier and company. And when you start the class with, uh, four or five star quarterback from Texas and DJ Lagway, you have that that ceiling, that potential. This is not the deepest year at QB. So to grab maybe the best dual threat of the bunch early, I think back in December he committed, I think changes the ceiling and trajectory of your recruiting class. So yeah, Florida's done a really nice job of getting kids on campus and really closing before recruitment gets hectic for a lot of these guys. I mean, Phil Same was one whose stock was way, way up. He's like 10-6 in the 100-meter dash, and he's also like one of the most physical safeties in the country. So you could see an Alabama, an LSU really starting to press for him. And and it, not to say they weren't involved, but Florida's prioritization early on uh, I think really paid off uh, with, with Phil Samen. He, he could end up as the highest-rated kid in the class when all is, is said and done. And then all of a sudden, running back-wise, Daniels now pairs with Chauncey Bowens, who – one SEC program has as the number one back in the country, not Florida, by the way, as far as I know. Now you're talking about continuing what is all of a sudden a secure strong point uh, at the University of Florida, which is the running back group. Uh, obviously, you bring back Johnson and ETN going into 2023 after what they did in, in 22. So now that's going to become sort of, I think, the identity of, of this program going forward from an offensive standpoint. So naturally, recruiting is is going to reflect that in both Daniels and Chauncey Bones, who was an early commit from South Florida. Uh, that's a heck of a one-two punch and as good as anybody's group thus far in the class of 24. Yeah, I, I'm predicting Montreal Johnson and, and Tre- Trevor Etienne to combined to be top three in the SEC in rushing this year. Uh, just think Florida's going to run the ball a, a ton this year, which is a no-brainer considering you lose Anthony Richardson at quarterback. But uh, yep. we'll see how that plays out. A, a quick th- thought on Auburn. I know they only have five commits so far for 2024. They did add to the group recently in a three-star athlete, Martavius Collins out of Georgia. But Hugh Freeze and company, are they being a little selective here with this group? Uh, what, what's Auburn's approach right now? Yeah, well, look, first of all, Collins, that, that's a big optical get, right? Former Alabama verbal commitment. Anytime you can throw that headline in there, uh, Auburn is going to run away with it. But, yeah, I, I think there's a combination of being selective and still self-evaluating. These these first-year coaching staffs, I mean, obviously we're seeing the extreme version at Colorado, but there's so much self-evaluation and sort of deciphering you have to do with your own roster uh, and the portal, uh, Hugh Freeze has, has admitted this is going to be a huge factor in what Auburn looks like anyway. So I do think that takes some precedent, at least this time of year, over bringing in top prep recruits. And that combined with the, the state of Alabama, one, being loaded and two, those guys aren't ready to make decisions. You know, the best players in Alabama, even next door 
in Mississippi where Freeze has history uh, and in Georgia, these elite recruits aren't ready to start uh, locking in commitment dates. Some of them haven't even begun the the official visit logistics uh, like Cam Coleman, the five-star in-state receiver. They're trying to flip a bunch of fellow SEC commits as well, and they've made up ground for five-star Bama wide receiver commit Perry Thompson, Demarcus Riddick, a five-star Georgia linebacker commitment, all from the state of Alabama that Auburn has gotten on campus at a relatively consistent basis. So some of these targets for Hugh Freeze are a bit bit of a long they're a bit of a longer play than, than maybe some others uh, for, for other schools. So I think the portal and that has slowed the process, but they've got a great QB1 and, and Walker White, and, and they're going to keep building. The state is too loaded for Auburn to, to not recruit well with this coaching staff, and I say that with, with great reason relative to, to the last group that was there uh, on the plains. One last one for you, John, and we appreciate your time. I saw the number two running back in the class, Taylor Tatum. He's got seven schools uh, listed. He's got Georgia and A&M in there, but he's got Texas and Oklahoma as well. Uh, you go to Texas native Aaron Hampton, four-star wide receiver. He's down to Alabama and Texas, which by the time he comes to uh, Texas, they're going to be in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little weird. Texas and Oklahoma, what are you hearing on that front? I mean, I'd assume they're selling the kids, hey, come here, because by the time you get on campus, we're SEC schools. Right, and that's that's changing the game for a lot of their targets, specifically close to home. I think we always assume Texas and Oklahoma are going to recruit the state of Texas very well because they're Texas and Oklahoma, and that is still true. But the the influx of the SEC into that state, uh, thanks to that expansion, uh, what, 10 years ago now at, at this point, um, has allowed everyone to go into Texas and recruit well, whether it's Bama, LSU, Florida. We just talked about grabbing an elite safety now that SEC tag will carry with the Longhorns and the Sooners, and that will make a huge difference because that is the one angle they haven't been willing to or haven't been able to compete with. Combine that with a couple of coaches that are pretty early in their tenure settling in now at both of these schools. I think uh, each of them are going to bring in top 10 classes, worst case scenario. And and one of the two will probably have a shot at a top five group, which which for either would be a pretty big deal from a continuity standpoint. So yeah, I think Oklahoma's just now getting hot on the trail. They just picked up a couple commits uh, during their spring game weekend, and there's no end in sight there. And, and Texas is still Texas. They're going to recruit at a very high clip uh, and probably win that head-to-head battle uh, with Alabama. By the way, so uh, it's going to be it's going to be a different feel for those two when they compete with the the Georgia, the Alabama, uh, LSU, Florida-type scholarship offers compared to two or three years ago where there was so much unknown around uh, conference realignment. And their fans will talk that trash just like uh, the SEC, other SEC no fan base. <laughs> so he is John Garcia Jr. Of course, give him a follow at John Garcia underscore Jr. on Twitter and uh, keep up with everything he has recruiting-wise. John, always appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right, that's John Garcia Jr. Uh, Give him a follow. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. A reminder to keep checking us out throughout the week. We'll be be able to uh, keep giving you uh, post-spring game thoughts as we head into uh, the summer months. And we'll have some special guests stopping up by as well. So make sure to check out that. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on SEC and making us your first listen every day. And shout out to our everydayers right here on Locked on SEC.